This is Firepower, only at Band.Video. And now, your host, Will Johnson. Good evening. Satan sends the Dems to infiltrate the conservative Christian movement. That's our story tonight. When the Democrats say that they can impeach and chew gum at the same time, I think I would have to agree. Not only are they trying to take out the sitting president of the United States, they are trying to destroy our very nation as well. They have that agenda. So they're chewing the gum and destroying. Impeach President Trump, destroy the nation at the same time. <clears throat> but if, if you think about it, what have the Democrats done that's positive for the American people? Just think about that. And you know what? Just look at the past 11 years. When Obama was in office, you know, the Democrats, they spent all that time doing what for the American people? When Obama came to office, he did this whole thing that he was against a same-sex marriage. Do you remember that? Do you recall that? This is what in the beginning when he was running for president against Hillary Rodden Clinton. And then about halfway through his term of his eight years, that's when the truth came out. Then all of a sudden he was all for homosexual sex. He was for the, the same sex marriage. He was embracing them. He was like bringing them all together, right? The LGBT community, they jumped for joy. When Obama and the Democrats was able to get the Supreme Court to overrule the majority of the people in this country to implement same-sex marriage. Think about that. Majority of the country didn't want that. Majority of the country still doesn't want it. But the small minority of these Democrats, some for some reason, somehow, they've been able to manipulate the system and manipulate people in the country to get exactly what they want. As a result, we now have dragon queens and dragon kings reading to our children. And the liberal left is embracing it. You have to recognize, or have you recognized, rather, the LGBTQ now has added the plus P, which means pedophilia. They've always included it. It's always been there. They're just now open with it. They're not even hiding it any longer. Most of us realize this is the leftist movement. But the whole LGBTQ, P plus, whatever else they want to add, it is entirely a leftist movement. So what does what many people don't realize is how they are infiltrating the conservative Christian movement. And it's an infiltration that Satan is sending his demonic Democrat demons into the fold or what have you. Conservative Christians. A lot of people say you can't be a conservative Christian either because all sinners are sinners, right? Yeah, all sinners are sinners. Some people still don't get the fact that we are in a spiritual war. And the ones 
that finally realize it, hopefully it's not too late because you will be a casualty of war. See, now we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory. But because of Christ, we all can be saved. That's what all this comes down to. People have forgotten that. A lot of people have. You would be surprised how we disconnect ourselves from God. In most cases, we disconnect ourselves from God in everything. But you know what? We need to bring it back. Because of the election of President Trump, he brought God back into the Oval Office. Because of the election of President Trump, God is being spoken of more and more throughout the nation. And the left hates it. Why do you think they want to work so hard in impeaching this man? It's not because he's done something wrong. Because he's bringing God back. We'll be back. The U.S. is accusing the Syrian government of using chemical weapons in an attack in northwest Syria last May. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo made the announcement Thursday, saying it was possibly a chlorine attack. This attack was part of the Assad regime's ongoing violent campaign in Idlib. Since the conflict broke out in 2011, hundreds of thousands of people have died amid ongoing violence in Syria. About 13 million Syrians have been forced to flee their homes, with about half leaving the country. The U.S. said Thursday it will provide an additional $4.5 million to the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons so it can continue to investigate the use of chemical weapons in the country. The United States will not allow these attacks to go unchallenged, nor will we tolerate those who choose to conceal these atrocities. All right, so, you know, I remember when they were talking about the Syrian people being gas and and so many people were saying that this is terrible. This is terrible. The the children, the women, they're all being gassed. And you know what, Tom? What's surprising me is that I'm sitting there and I, I read this article. And this article was from April 9, 2018, where Alex Jones was saying that this was a false flag where all of this wasn't true. And then the people that started attacking him because it was like, oh, we need to go to war. We need to go to war. We got to go save the women and the children. Like, wow. (laughs) Well, I mean, anybody with uh, their head on straight knew that this was going to be a total fake scenario. I mean, Assad, from my knowledge, has never been really proven to have used chemical weapons on his own people. And you just have to sit there and scratch your head and think, what would he have to gain by it? But I'm sure you remember as well as I do, Will, it was virtually every pundit except Tucker Carlson on Fox News. It was every single uh, politician, left, right, and center, everybody and their dog wanted to have a full-out ground war in Syria to depose Assad, to topple another Middle Eastern dictator, and bring peace to the Middle East, you know, just like we did in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Syria, in Libya, all over we're going. I mean, we, we are still in Syria. We still have troops there. I do not know. I do. Nobody understands why. We have people guarding poppy fields. We have people guarding uh, God knows what. We're blowing up bridges so U.S. contractors can make millions rebuilding them. 
The Middle East is less peaceful than it's ever been before. I wish President Trump had not even decided to use missile strikes, which is what the administration wound up deciding to do as punishment for Assad for something that we now more or less know he didn't do. But it's uh, I'm glad that at least we're not having another full scale ground war where we depose another leader and then put up somebody who will likely turn against us in the next five years. Yeah, you know, and on top of that, the whole thing was the globalists wanted to keep us there and they wanted to split the country up into three parts. And and the, the mainstream, the lamestream media, none of them want to address that. And and here it is. Tomorrow's news today. Alex Jones, Paul Watson, David Knight was they were all talking about it in 2018. And now what? What is this we have? Oh, maybe they were right. Where's the where's the mainstream media? The mainstream media should be asking Alex Jones questions. Alex, you were right, but they don't want to do that because then they would have to admit that they've been wrong and he was right. So we have another video for you. This is one on Tucker Carlson. Now, Tucker Carlson is like he's he admits it. We were lied to. Let's go to the video. Well, despite the president's repeated efforts to get them out, American troops remain deployed in parts of Syria. If Washington has its way, they will be there until you are old or even longer, forever. But it could be worse. 19 months ago, Washington was demanding that the U.S. government topple the Assad government completely. Must do it now. The justification for this was a supposed chemical weapons attack in the town of Duma. Now, no one in Washington had seen the attack. No American had seen it. Nobody in Congress could tell you what proof existed that the attack had actually taken place or that Assad's government was behind it rather than some other faction, and there were many, in the country's civil war. But it didn't matter that there was literally no evidence. Everybody in Washington began agitating for regime change war immediately, immediately, and especially on the left. Bill Crystal and Max Boot and everyone at MSNBC and CNN, they were completely for it. This show was not for it. We didn't deny the attack happened. We just told people to be skeptical. Universal bipartisan agreement on anything is usually the first sign that something deeply unwise is about to happen, if only because there is nobody left to ask skeptical questions. And we should be skeptical of this, starting with the poison gas attack itself. All the geniuses tell us that Assad killed those children. But do they really know that? Of course they don't really know that. They're making it up. They have no real idea what happened. And now the same people who brought you a dying American middle class, undefended American borders, and endless pointless wars in countries you could not find on a map are telling the president he's got to depose Assad for reasons that are both unclear and demonstrably dishonest. You got to depose Assad immediately. Wait a second. How did it work when we deposed the last four Arab leaders? And wait a second, didn't the Assad government, evil as it may be, protect all the Christians? Shut up, they said. You've got to do it now. Well, fortunately, the president, President Trump, limited his response to another wave of missile strikes, rather than sending U.S. troops in to topple yet another government in the region. But now it looks like even that response may have not been justified at all. So last spring, the official report of the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, which is the group that monitors chemical weapons globally, said the Duma attack was caused by two chlorine gas canisters that were dropped from an airplane. That would suggest the Assad government was behind the attack. Okay. 
But then last May, a leaked internal document showed that one of the OPCW's top analysts disagreed with that conclusion. He thought the canisters were placed by hand by someone on the ground, which would make it a completely different event. Now, this week, WikiLeaks has published an email from a member of the OPCW's fact-finding team. That email accuses the organization of altering investigators' original findings to make evidence of an attack look more conclusive than it actually was. Sound familiar? Yeah. We've seen this movie before, with tragic consequences. Yet another OPCW whistleblower has argued that on-the-ground evidence points against an attack happening at all. So in other words, America almost attacked a country and killed thousands, untold thousands of people over an attack that may never have happened in the first place. That powerful people may very well be lying about. And by the way, under a different president, and whatever you think of Trump, this is true. Under a different president, say Hillary Clinton, being advised by the Obama foreign policy team, Samantha Power, and a lot of people like Samantha Power with long track records of unwise, indeed stupid decision making, under that administration, we probably would have invaded. You know what, Tom? I'm sitting there reading through this article, and it's ob- and, and this was uh, back in April of uh, 2018, where Alex Jones even said it's obvious that they're trying to suck us into the war. They're trying to suck American people into a war. And thank God we didn't actually go into a full-on war, but, you know, there there were some bombs that were used, but we've all been deceived by this. And many people thinking that we were there saving the children, saving the women, but we've been totally deceived, except for when it comes to InfoWars. Well, every place the American military empire goes, it leaves death, destruction, and mourning widows and, and crying children in its wake. So it's a good thing this didn't happen. And it's also, I believe, I firmly believe that the globalist, the Uniparty, wants to get President Trump embroiled in a war to make his favorability rankings go through the toilet. I mean, he has not yet to pull us out of some of these countries he pledged to pull us out of, but this may be the first presidency in I don't know how long where a new war War has not been started within the first term. Knock on wood. We still have a little bit of time <laughs> left. President Trump could still be pulled in. But President Trump was, of course, elected as somebody who said that going into Iraq was a mistake, that George mm-hmm. W. Bush did not keep us safe, that Barack Obama's foreign policy allowed ISIS to be formed and, in fact, actually started ISIS. So thank God for President Trump, and may he keep resolute in his position as a peacemaker. Yeah, absolutely. And and when we come back, we have another clip with Tucker where there's a whistleblower that's blowing the whistle on all of this. And you've got to stay tuned and see what this is all about. We have a whistleblower and the whistleblower is even coming out with his actual name. Imagine that. We'll be back. We recently spoke all about this story because we think it's important with Jonathan Steele. He's a former chief foreign correspondent for The Guardian. Here's the conversation. I don't want to overstate this. Uh, A lot of us, well, not a lot, some of us, this show, had suspicions from the outset that there wasn't much evidence this had actually happened. What do we now know? Well, we now know from this whistleblower who prefers to call himself Alex, we know his real name, and we've got proof that he did work at the OPCW. He was an inspector, one of the 
team of about nine people who went to Damascus and to Douma to pick up samples on the ground and to talk to witnesses and check the whole thing out. Now, he took these samples. The, the main point is that chlorine gas degrades rapidly in the air so that coming in two weeks later you wouldn't find anything. But what you would find is that the gas can contaminate or affect other chemicals in the in natural environment, yes. so-called chlorinated organic chemicals. But the, the difficulty is that they exist anyway in the natural environment anyway and in water and so on. And so the crucial thing is the levels. Were there more... So, higher levels of chlorinated organic chemicals found after the alleged gas attack than there would have been in the normal environment. And when they got back to the Netherlands, to The Hague, where the OPCW has its headquarters, the samples were sent off to designated laboratories. Then there was a weird silence developed. Nobody told the inspectors what the results of the analysis was. And it was only by chance that the inspector found out that three weeks earlier the results had come in and they showed no difference at all. There were no higher levels of chlorinated organic chemicals in the areas where the alleged attack happened, where there's some suspicious cylinders had been found by opposition activists. And so that it didn't seem possible that there could have been a gas attack because the levels were just the same as in the natural environment. Well, I'm, I'm confused by two points. Uh, wait, wait. So first, we were told, and again, sternly lectured, that the U.S. government had absolute evidence that this gas attack took place, A. B, if OPCW knew that there wasn't actually evidence, why did it take a whistleblower to tell the rest of us? Well, on the first point, I mean, they just rushed, it was rushed to judgment. They, the missile strikes, which included British and French missiles as well as the American ones, happened about two or three days after the alleged gas attack. When no inspectors had been on the ground, there was no evidence on the ground. So it was Liars. just fabricated, as it were, the yes. reason to go in. It was a rush to judgment. But the second point is that the, there was no real reason why Assad would make an attack at this stage because he was already capturing most of Douma and was about yes. to capture the rest of it. He didn't need to go in for a chemical gas attack at that stage. We've been lied to. We've been manipulated. We knew it at the time. Thanks so much for coming on tonight. I appreciate that. It's a fascinating story. It's an important story. I hope it gets picked up by others apart from just this show. Jonathan Steele. Well, we're you. picking it up, Tom. I mean, we're talking about it. And if you notice in the beginning, he said the whistleblower's name was Alex. Now, I'm not saying that's the same Alex Jones that we've been talking about. Not at all. I'm not saying that at all. And I don't think they're saying that. Uh, it just so happens to be uh, the whistleblower name is Alex. Well, it's just a, just a convenience, right? I mean, it's just kind of <laughs> there. <laughs> One of these what? little moments of serendipity. And uh, again, I think that it's uh, it's very good that this is starting to come out. I wish the rest of the Fox News brand would talk about it. But as Tucker kind of said in that clip, uh, no, it's just going to be him. It's just going to be him. It's just going to be Alex Jones. It's just going to be uh, Infowars and Bandot Video and a couple handful of others that are willing to talk about this because most of the Republican Party and the entirety of the Democrat Party, for some strange reason, they are so pr
pro-war, the facts no longer matter. Again, I mean, this, well, we missed this by a hair, Will. I mean, this could have had your sons, me, my producer, all of us could have been embroiled because if you attack Syria, which is under the protection of Russia, this could have started a massive conflict with the Middle East as just its uh, proxy zone. It could have gone who knows how hot. This could have been a war that devastated the American economy that could have seen the reinstatement of the draft. It could have seen millions of people dead on both sides. Let's not understate this because of what? A phony claim that has now been completely and utterly debunked by this whistleblower. This is the stakes that we're playing with here. And President Trump, again, thank God that instead of doing what everybody around him and his later advisor, John Bolton, the mustache himself, would have wanted him to do, which is launch a full-scale invasion, thank God he launched a few missiles. But poor, poor Assad. I mean, it's it's terrible to feel sympathy for a man who is essentially a dictator, but this is a dictator who defends Christians, who allows for religious freedom in his country, who has been targeted by nothing but insane international propaganda to depict him as a war monster, a warmonger and a monster who launches chemical attacks on his own people. I, It's a insufferable headache, Will. And again, I just thank God that President Trump is wise enough not to press the red button unnecessarily. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I, it, this is biblical. I mean, I know I say that quite often, but it's biblical what they're trying to do here. And what they're trying to bring us into uh, a war in the Middle East, and President Trump is trying to get us out of the Middle East, trying to get us out of the conflict, trying to get us away from all of the lies from the globalists just pushing onto him. And what I mean by is biblical, because throughout the world, Christianity is under attack. Christianity is under attack like never before in the history of this planet. And many people see it, and many people don't. And you know what? The talk about lies, the how they, they lied about that, and how, and even the liberal media and even some of the, those on the right, even they went with the whole fake story. Here's a story where again, the communist news network decided to lie about Devin Nunes. Devin Nunes, you know, he had, he did take a trip over to the Ukraine and now they're saying that, oh, he met with the Ukrainian people. He's part of this whole scandal. So Devin Nunes, he put out a statement on that. Let's go to it. Well, Sean, like we've seen so many times over the last three years, every time House Republicans on the Intelligence Committee come up with real information and put it out there, what do they do? They smear the messenger. And the problem that CNN has this time and the Daily Beast is, look, I understand the last week and a half, it was a, it was a disaster for them. It was a train wreck for them. So what did they have to do? They had to come out and say, well, look, Devin Nunes was actually the one that was meeting with all of these Ukrainians. So, sorry, CNN, it's totally false. So, we put out a very clear statement after the story came out on Friday night uh, saying it's demonstrably false, total fake news. And, and I will tell you, Sean, for all of the last three years, including the Russia hoax to the Ukraine hoax, this is the mother of all fake news stories. There is not one bigger than this. And so next week, uh, we are going to take them to court. Uh, they will have an opportunity to come to court so that there, we can subpoena each other. We can get discovery. We can set people down for depositions. And I have a bet for you, Sean. 
CNN and the Daily Beast are going to run for cover. They're going to fight this. They're not going to show up in court. They're not going to accept service. Uh, so look, it, it's, but at the end of the day, I'm going to track them down and I'm going to hold them accountable because this is, this has just gone See? on for too long. And this is the only way we're going to be able to to get retribution and get in well, and be able what? to seek fairness and transparency in the media is by holding them yes, accountable. Yes, they need to be held accountable because of most of the stuff that's happening that's negative in this country has been driven by the liberal media. Think about that. It has been driven by the liberal media. Remove the liberal media and we will remove most of our problems. We'll be back. Will Johnson. All right, welcome back. Firepowernews.com. Please join us over at band.video. You go to band.video and then go to Firepower News on the left-hand side and then share that link out with everyone right now. If you're listening and if you're watching, go to band.video. Share that link out, please. Join us at band.video. Go to Firepower News on the left-hand side. You'll see it as soon as you get to the page. And then please share that link out with everyone. Okay, so the Democrats, Tom, they they are in a situation right now where they, they should have thought about this before. But now they're in a situation with this whole impeachment hearing that they feel that they might actually be in trouble because they're not getting the public approval for this impeachment against President Trump. I think they're just recycling the same polls that they have in the past, trying to make it look like, oh, yeah, the American people are. But you know what? The American people are actually not even paying attention to this whole impeachment process. People are tired of it. People are getting sick of it. So, Tom, I want to share a video with you. This is with uh, on a, if I'm not mistaken, this was on MSNBC or MSDNC. Let me get it right. Where they're saying that, well, we got to get public opinion um, this is not looking good for the Democrats, uh, you know, but they want to they try to spin it every way they can. So let's go to this video and then we'll come back and we'll get Tom's opinion on it as well. You think that this polling is, you know, a sort of a warning sign for them? I mean, if they're not able to move public sentiment at all uh, with those five hearings with what is it like a dozen uh, State Department or NSC officials coming forward and testifying against the yep. president. I mean, that's a problem for them. I mean, this should be a high point for them in terms of making the case to the voters. But, you know, this hearing process was so fast for us in Washington. I mean, it was impossible for us to keep up. Think about uh, voters in Ohio or Wisconsin, people who only tune into news once a week. They were doing them back to back. Did it sink in clearly? And a lot of those a lot of those voters, as they process the information and we should give everybody the good grace, assume their common sense, the more they learn they will listen see they're not getting the public approval tom and i have to make a mistake i have to correct my mistake that i thought it was on msdnc but that was actually on the criminal news network <laughs> as if there anything different between them other than the people <laughs> uh, <clears throat> we don't have tom's audio 
So let's get that let's get that working. So, <laughs> well, Will, I, yeah, I'm just hoping that everybody can hear me. There we go. Well, of course, uh, MSNBC might be slightly more radical than the Clinton News Network, but only marginally. But one of the most fascinating parts of that is they seem to say that well, you know, Midwest voters are just dumb. The people in Ohio and Wisconsin they only watch the news once a week. They're a bunch of yokels who don't understand. They need to watch CNN every waking hour of every waking day, and then maybe they'll understand why President Trump should be impeached. So that was rather insulting to me. I'm not from Ohio or Wisconsin, but I'm from the Midwest, and we're not dumb people. In fact, there are studies saying that we're some of the smartest. But beyond that, I mean, they are utterly in panic mode. Now they're blaming the Democrats. But the fact is, even the early polls that seem to show a massive groundswell of support for impeachment, if you broke those down, most of them were phony polls. One of them was a poll of 150 people with a massive uh, tilt toward the Democrats. So the poll Polls were never for impeachment. The American public never wanted impeachment. The people who don't follow the news, who may live on the coast, they may live in the Midwest, they may live in Hawaii, we don't know. But the people who uh, don't follow the news were very confused by this entire thing. They couldn't understand, was it bribery? Was it quid pro quo? Was it extortion? What exactly did he do wrong? People never were in support of this. They never will be in support of this. It was always uh, Nancy Pelosi attempting to make the squad happy and attempting to unify the Democratic Party elite because AOC is now a member of the elite somehow. She was trying to unify yeah. them all together behind her and it was never going to work. Exactly. And you know what? You hit a key point how they believe that the American people are stupid. But you know what? We have a special guest that's getting ready to come on with us right now that is, is a, a very smart person. And this is Owen, uh, William Owens. He's an American poet. Um, he, he was on a, he was on our show not too long ago and he was, and talking about the civil rights town halls that he's having across, uh, across America. And now he's organizing a walk on Thanksgiving day. And I, and I, if I'm not mistaken, that's to represent what MLK has done in the past. So without further ado, let's bring on Mr. Owens with us now. There he is. How you doing, sir? Fantastic, man. Thanks for having me on your show. It's good to be with you all again. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, tell us what this walk is about and why did you decide to do it on the holiday, the Thanksgiving holiday? You know, I was actually at Alabama's state house and I was invited there to have prayer on a Tuesday. They have prayer there every Tuesday. And and so I'm praying and um, processing a lot of the things that's happening in our country and asking God for his direction, asking God for grace, asking God to really speak to the hearts of this nation. And as I was praying there, I actually um, just had a um, an, uh, an epiphany. And the epiphany, I saw myself walking from Montgomery back to Selma. And I saw myself in a suit, but with a chain over my shoulders. And I heard three words God spoke to my heart, and that was suit and chains. And the idea that he conveyed to me was that even though we as Americans can wear the suit we choose to wear, um, even though we can eat the food we choose to eat, even though we can live where we choose to live, and so on and so forth, in so many ways, uh, Will, we're still in chains. Um, we're still minimized by um, ideas, ideologies that want to manipulate us and constrain us to think a certain way. 
Um, unfortunately, politics today has become very manipulative. They have divided us into groups. They have led us to believe that we can't have conversation, that we can't get along, that we can't make use of the past in a powerful and positive way. When you really look at the march, the, 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 the march from Selma to Montgomery and really look at the history of it, you know, it was a bloody Sunday. But after that, it was Johnson who um, commissioned the, the National Guard to escort um, not only black Americans, but white Americans, Jew Americans, um, all different ethnic groups to walk. And they did that walk from Selma to the state's capital um, in Montgomery. And so God just put in my heart to do this walk to remind us of where we've come from as a nation and why we need to go back and revisit the the reality of what was accomplished that day. Because I fear that we have lost um, that perspective and we have to get it back. So that's the theme of the walk, suit and chains. I also wrote a poem about that that would, would that goes live on Thursday, the day I start the walk, which will be um, Thanksgiving Day, and I'll walk on Friday and conclude on Saturday. So how do folks get involved in supporting you or in participating, if that's possible? You know, I never expected people to actually um, – Want to walk with me? Um, we're going to start from the, I'm going to start the walk. Um, it was such a short notice, so it wasn't really, that wasn't, that wasn't really my theme. But people can learn more about the walk on my website at americaspoet.com. Um, uh, they can get involved by following me on Skype. Um, um, our Skype page is America's Poet, um, as well as on my Twitter account is America's underscore poet. And we just set this, uh, the, the, my Twitter account up so you all can be some of the first persons to follow what God's calling me to do. Um, I might also add that I really covet people's prayers. We have to do something radical. I still celebrate what you all are doing and in educating people and informing people. But we need to do more. We need to take this education and become activated. You know, God gave me an idea about uh, behind the word radical, which is an acronym um, for a lot of different reasons. But the acronym he gave me was radical, reaching after divinely inspired callings. You know, as I'm sitting in church hearing this idea come to me, reaching after divinely inspired callings, when I got to see, I said, okay, I said, okay, callings. Now, what's going to be A? What's going to be L? And it was just like, um, callings, C-A-L. <laughs> so it worked out really great. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. you know, I just encourage people, we got to do more. We have to do more. We have to get radical. We have to get out of our cubicles, out of our churches. Out of yeah, you're wherever right. we you're are. Right. You're right. You're absolutely right. We're getting, we're getting ready to come to a break. You're absolutely right. We have to do more. And that's what it's about. And I applaud you for doing so. We're going to talk to Mr. Owens when we come back from the break. Welcome back, firepowernews.com and dot video. All right, so we're talking to our guest, William Owens. He's doing a march or a walk this Thursday and to represent uh, what he believes our rights are, civil, civil rights and our freedoms. Um, Mr. Owens, let me ask you about a, a, something that you wrote in the article. Uh, you wrote... Yes. You wrote, uh, which, okay, in an article you wrote about the walk, 
You said, as a nation, we must remind ourselves why black and white Americans walk from Selim, Selma to Montgomery. We often forgotten what brought us together during a time of deep divide, violence, and even murder. I feel that Americans have forgotten that there was always been a large population of whites in America that have forgotten for that have forgot for the uh, civil war rights that have fought, sorry, that have fought for the civil rights of blacks. So why do, why do you think that the history doesn't emphasize that fact? And do you think uh, there's an agenda behind that? Well, of course there's an agenda behind it. Um, and that agenda is to to create a continual uh, systemic system of division. Um, when people don't know the history, um, then we are we are left at the mercy of people who will create spin on that history. Um, we have to recognize that um, what happened during that time was a lot was 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 a lot bigger than just. Um, what was obvious and what was obvious was the inequality of blacks to be able to vote, the inequality of blacks to be able to participate in the issues. Um, but also what we don't hear about is how a large company of Americans were in lockstep with King. In fact, after the bloody Sunday, it was Johnson who decreed um, legislation for the, the National Guard to protect people walking from Montgomery to Selma. And if you look at some of the footage online, uh, Will and Tom, you can, I encourage people to Google the history of, of, of this walk. You can see white people and black people walking together. Um, and then you see a particular, after that, the Voting Act is passed. Blacks are now able to vote. And then we, we understood that was a lot more work to be done for economic equality. But I think the point that I'm trying to make with this walk here, Will and Tom, is this, that we have to stop acting like we have um, accomplished something as compared to what was accomplished then. It's been nearly three or four decades since that time. And look at where we have not come. We have suits, but we're still in chains. You know, if they don't have the excuse that they don't have um, based on what they were working with, look at where we, where we have come in modern day America. And yet we lack the civility that we should be able to have. I'm very disappointed with our politicians um, because they create division. They create um, um, systemic differences. And as a result, we're not capable of reala realizing that we as human as human beings can sit down alone without involvement of the Republicans with the Democrats and create some type of conversation that can be that can advance our communities. So my hope as I conclude this in Selma on Saturday, I'm going to be launching on Thanksgiving Day. I know the article might say on tomorrow, but I'm actually launching Thanksgiving Day as I walk throughout this event. I'm going to actually be writing poetry. I'm going to I believe God's going to give me poetic as well as pro, pro, prolific poetry that speaks to the issue. My first poem is Suit and Chains, which will be released on Thanksgiving Day. You know, nice. so that to answer your question, Tom, I think the reason why we don't want to hear the truth of what really happened is because 
it would all of a sudden change the narrative and we would begin to be talking about all the things that we can accomplish together as Americans. So let's kind of keep going on that track where uh, they've hijacked this narrative to make it about their own purposes. Um, obviously, their goal is to divide people, to control people, to turn them against each other for the purpose of everything from political power to ratings on the news. Uh, what do you think would exactly. happen if Americans could come together and uh, actually see history for what it is? You know, Tom, that's a really, really good question. You know, it would absolutely be amazing. I think if you, I think we can learn a lot from two and three year olds. You know, two and three year olds at a park, I just challenge you to go sit down and watch, you know, okay, let me give them a few more years. Let's say five to six year olds. You know, they, they're at a park and all they want to do is find out what they have in common. They want to talk about their marbles. They want to talk about their tennis shoes. And before you know it, they become great friends. Um, they don't have the the uh, the temptation to begin to judge each other by the color of their hair or the, or the beautiful freckles on their face, or you know um, their shoes are newer than the other ones, or um, or look at the color of your car or the style of your car. So, Tom, I really believe that if we put away the the cultural control, you know, we would be shocked at just how much we are controlled by the culture. We would absolutely be devastated if we could really step back and see ourselves through the lens um, of an unbiased viewpoint. And that is really see how we're carrying ourselves toward our community, toward our neighbor. You know, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. He even says, love your enemies. So when we really look at those simple, those simple commandments, um, we're finding the lack of civility in the simplest of conversations now. And I want to just go back to one thing, how disappointed I am in our public servants. They're no longer public servants. They are self-servants. And this is why a lot of our politicians, have bec- they're lawyers, first of all. I mean, look at that in, its, in right. and of itself. You know, you study law to learn how to get around the system, not how to improve the system. I'm not saying all lawyers are like that. But, Tom, I really Great believe majority. on this Thanksgiving season. You know, great majority on this Thanksgiving season when we should be giving thanks for so many things. I, I fear all we're going to do is slaughter a lot of birds, you know, eat with the same people and not really be thankful for the deep things we have. I think we're going to be so anxious about jumping out to Black Friday to take advantage of getting more materials of which we don't need yes. and really lose sight of what we what we have so much to be grateful for. So as I make this walk and I'm um, I'm doing um, Facebook Live with people. I'm hoping and praying that God would touch their hearts. I'm going to be praying every step of the way. I'm going to have a chain on my neck, and I'm just going to be calling people out to do more. It's not enough for us to complain and to gripe. We have to do more, and I think it's going to take radical acts of love, radical acts of demonstrating our convictions to bring people together, not to find fault. Exactly. You know, one thing, uh, when I go out to a lot of different uh, events, uh, I, and I end up talking to certain people because I'm a huge Trump supporter and not that Trump is perfect by any means, but I am a Trump supporter. And um, mm-hmm. a lot of times I get a lot of black people saying, how can you support him? He's racist, X, Y, Z, you know, the whole still the whole spiel. Right. But and, and mm-hmm. sometimes they get pretty violent, they get pretty angry. And I remind them, I say, you know, those those and they, they have they want to have like this slave mentality. And I, and I bring something to the attention. I say, you know, those shackles that you have on your hands and feet, they yeah. don't have any locks. 
And then they just look at me and I said, you can take them off. And then I've said that to a couple of people and they just exploded. They get angry with me. And I said, so you're acting like we take the shackles off and you want to put them on. And then now you're looking for locks. Why do you think majority of the people want to be victims in this, this whole, the whole scheme of things? People want to remain victims and not be victorious. Mm-hmm. And, in the, and while you're answering that in the minute and a half that we have left, Again, tell everyone sure. how they can connect with you uh, over over the week, the holiday. Fantastic. AmericasPoet.com. Um, Twitter is American underscore poet. And Facebook is America's poet. You know, to answer your question, the chain represents so many different things, Will and Tom. I think the chain not only represents a mindset that people have, um, whether it's related to a history of slavery, for example, who, physical slavery in which blacks were enslaved for over 200 years in America. Um, but it also represents a form of bondage that's mental. It's mm-hmm. a mindset. It also mm-hmm. represents a systemic um, racism, systemic economic injustice, systemic uh, judgment of one another. So it's not just one thing. And so to your point, yes, there are those who have um, yielded themselves to fear. And I think the reason why, to put it really, really simple, is because you have to take responsibility now for what you believe. And so it's easy to become a victim. It's easy to just be told what to believe than to be responsible for what you believe. Because yeah, in order absolutely. to do that, you have to be, <laughs> you have to apply yourself. Yes. And if you haven't used your brain, it hurts when you learn. That's why people hold to the old, that's old what, narrative. That's why, yeah, that's why they say the truth hurts. The yeah. truth hurts. <laughs> hey, it I want to thank you for coming on with us, sir. And enjoy your walk. Thanks. Take care. God bless. And and, and Will, I appreciate it. All right. We'll be back. Forged in the fire of truth. Firepower with Will Johnson. As you know, the establishment is trying to silence us and anyone else that wants to be free and promote American values, not just here, but worldwide. And they're really trying to shut us down right now. But I have a special for you that runs through Black Friday week that is the best special we've ever offered for these three items together. Uh, And I'm calling it the Change Your Life Trifecta Pack. When I forget to take the supplements, I'm sluggish, I gain weight, I'm not as healthy. Because our supplements are the highest quality you're going to find anywhere. And so we're offering the AMPM 8-pack power stack that's 13 different pills that you take daily. It'll take too much time to go through what's in these pills. But InfoWarsStore.com and, and, and read how dynamite and how quality this is. As you're getting this at cost, what it cost us, so you can experience how great it is. I believe you'll become a regular customer of it at regular price. Survival Shield X3, try iodine. And, of course, our best-selling Brain Force Plus Healthy Nootropic. All of this, ladies and gentlemen, is at cost together in this trifecta pack. Normally, again, with a supplement, if something has almost $30 of product in it, people would sell it for 100 If something has $10 of product in it, they sell it for 40 50 bucks. So same thing. All of this is at cost together in this special for $59.95. That's more than half off. And these are game-changing. This will boost your brain in healthy, great ways. Uh, the Survival Shield X3 is the missing link, the opposite of fluoride. It's the good halogen. This is totally game-changing. And I'll assure you, if you take 
these two packs every day religiously, you're going to feel a huge difference in your energy, your stamina, your libido, the way you sleep, your clarity, your focus. This is game-changing. And then it funds the information war. So truly, truly amazing and will change your life in those ways as well. Get yours today at InfoWarsStore.com. Are you a truck driver and you're traveling across the country trying to stay awake? Then TurboForce from InfoWarsStore.com is the choice for you. It is one of the best energy sources on the market today. You should try it at InfoWarsStore.com. Are you a student and you're looking for something that's not going to give you the crash and burn like coffee and other energy drinks? Then go to InfoWarsStore.com and try TurboForce today. Again, that is InfoWarsStore.com. There are a lot of men out there that say when push comes to shove and when America is fighting for its life against tyrants that they're going to stand up and do something. Well, a lot of those men have supported this broadcast, and so you have done something. You've done a lot of other things as well, like take care of your family and try to be a hardworking citizen that puts food again on the table and who stands up for their society and their culture. But I got to tell you, InfoWars has definitely hit the zeitgeist when it comes to taking on the NWO. And we have got all these powerful mega corporations and all these different criminal groups desperately trying to shut us down right now because they're scared. We have analyzed the globalist attack profile. We know how to defeat them. And we're mobilizing not just Americans, but people all over the world to say no to globalism and no to the satanic new world order. And that's really what it is. And so as everything we've warned of is confirmed, our credibility goes up and up and up. That's why they need us off the air desperately. So they can send a message to everybody else that you better keep your mouth shut. So now is the time to step up to the plate. Now is the time to decide where you're going to be in history. Because not just our country, but our species and our children need good men to come to the aid of humanity and good women as well. So I want to ask everybody out there to recommit in the information war. You are so powerful. To spread the word about Infowars.com forward slash show and band out video. And to realize the funding of our operation is absolutely paramount. And only by you buying the products at Infowarsstore.com can we fund the operation. So do your Christmas shopping there and get your supplements there and get your coffee there and get your protein bars there. Because they're all excellent, they're high quality, and they make this operation absolutely viable into the future. Without you... They're going to win. But if you take action, we're going to win together. So I thank you for your support, and I salute you. So keep doing what you're doing. back to Firepower. I am Tom Pappert, co-hosting with Will Johnson. Our next guest is Raymond Ibrahim. He is the consummate expert on Islam, and he has a brand new book out, or at least fairly new, about the 14 centuries of war between Islam and the West. I'm very excited to have him on, especially as we have new uh, details coming out about Ilan Omar, suggesting she may be, in fact, a Qatari agent. There you can see his book on screen. Welcome to Firepower, Mr. Raymond, and thank you so much for coming on. Hi, Tom. Uh, thanks for having me. Good to be with you. 
Fantastic. We're glad to have you here. So tell us a little bit, if you can, about how you became interested in this subject and just kind of give us an overview of your background, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, well, first, I became interested in it because of my own personal background. I'm I'm of Egyptian heritage, both sides of my family, specifically Coptic, uh, Coptic Orthodox Christian ethnicity, who are actually the um, original indigenous peoples of Egypt. Um, so being born and raised like that obviously made me interested in the entire Middle East and all and that whole region, Islam, the um, situation of Christians under Islam, past and present. I was born in the United States, but I grew up <clears throat> bilingually. So <clears throat> I also speak Arabic and uh, have studied a lot of languages you know, uh, in college. And so also professionally, um, you know, aside from my personal interest in this field, I studied it. So my master's degree is in history with an emphasis on the um, Islamic Middle East. And uh, I also went to Georgetown University and I also went to Catholic University to graduate courses, worked at the Near East section of the Library of Congress, where actually I found um, untranslated documents by Osama bin Laden and Ayman Zawahri soon after 9-11 and I translated them um, in my first book, The Al-Qaeda Reader. Uh, so basically I've had an interest both from, you know, just who I am um, for, you know, ethnic and religious reasons. And also professionally, I've been studying it. And, you know, I'm one of those guys you can say who actually was studying this thing and um, part of it before 9-11. Because, as you know, after 9-11, you got a crop of experts that just popped up overnight. So I'm proud to say I'm one of the, the older group. Hmm. Well, Raymond, I want to thank you for uh, coming on with us. Let me ask you, do you see Islam infiltrating America? And what are some of the signs that will confirm that? Well, it's infiltrating it. You know, let's backtrack real quick. The word jihad, which we're all familiar with right now, when you use the word, um, a lot of times it used to be translated as holy war. This is how, you know, early Europeans translated it. And there's reason for that. But the word itself, as many Muslim apologists will often insist, is not about war. It just means to struggle, to strive, to work hard, to achieve something. And that which is to be achieved is the empowerment and spread of Islam. And so I say that as a preface because, uh, you know, it's historically it was always through warfare because you weren't going to dupe pre-modern people, you know, by talking about multiculturalism or anything like that. You had to actually beat them on the battlefield. But today, uh, even though Islam is militarily, financially weaker, it is infiltrating the West. And now it's doing this other jihad, which is still a jihad. This is the jihad um, of propaganda, the jihad. And in fact, these terms are actually classified in Islam, in Arabic Islamic jurisprudence. You have the jihad of the pen, jihad of the tongue, jihad of money. All of these are bona fide jihads, and they're all aimed to empowering Islam. So in the West, you see that very well, especially in America, a group like the Muslim Brotherhood, which is really the granddaddy of all the Islamic terror groups. You know, you name an Islamic terrorist, and he used to be a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. That includes the recently killed um, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi of ISIS and also Osama bin Laden and, of course, the current al-Qaeda leader, Ayman Zawahiri. All of them are Muslim Brotherhood members. The difference between the Muslim Brotherhood and the jihadists is they take a slow, incremental um, uh, approach and, you know, they they um, denounce terrorism formally and they engage in politics, and they engage in elections and so forth. And the Muslim Brotherhood went from being a banned terrorist organization in Egypt, where it was founded, 
to basically um, uh, being part of the elections in 2012. And one of their members, Mohamed Morsi, actually won in Egypt. Now, again, of course, it's an illegal organization. But in the West, in the United States specifically, you have a lot of Muslim Brotherhood front groups, such as CARE, Council on American Islamic Relations, and many other groups who, it's not even controversial. It's not, you know, are they or are they not part of a brotherhood? They are. They're a front group. This has come out in actual court cases, specifically the Holy Land Foundation uh, in 2008, and it's an unindicted co-conspirator. So you actually have the jihad actually happening right now in America, not in the violent means, but through the classical expression of the word as a struggle and a striving with their mouths through propaganda, through lies, through anything, subversion um, by these Islamist types. And um, it's from the Muslim Brotherhood, who is actually, think about it, a lot of our uh, not just the Muslim Brotherhood, but front groups like CARE, which operates freely in the United States, is actually considered a terrorist organization in countries like um, in countries uh, like the UAE, uh, for example, and other places uh, by name. CARE, not not just the Muslim Brotherhood and CARE by association, but by name. And uh, yet they have so much clout today as a as a you know so-called civil rights group. They even recently, I had a personal you know. Uh, clash with them again recently where I was invited to speak at the U.S. Army War College about my book. And they just, you know, went crazy and depicted me as a racist, despite my ethnic background and a white supremacist. And um, the War <laughs> College. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And the War College, right? Not Berkeley, not some liberal institution, actually capitulated <laughs> to that and they canceled the event. So that's the jihad going on in America. So in the next segment, I want to talk a little bit more about your book and kind of the historical context. But first, let's talk about uh, kind of this jihad by immigration. I mean, we've seen entire parts of the country uh, basically overwhelmed with, uh, I guess you call them refugees is the politically correct word. And now we have, of course, several Islamic members of Congress, Ilan Omar, the Congresswoman EMF, or all of these insane people that are out there saying uh, that, I mean, we know the type of things they're saying. It's absolutely reprehensible. So where do you see this going? And do you fear that violence may erupt in the United States in the future? Well, you know, if you look at precedents and examples, look at Sweden, it's almost like a war zone um, from their so-called refugees, um, the majority of whom are oftentimes Muslim Somalis and Somali is considered one of the most radical Islamic nations. Um, And you have, you know, it's of course described in the media as riots by youth um, but you come to find out the vast majority is Muslims and it's these closed off sort of ghetto no-go zones and that sort of thing. Um, but one point that you raise, and I just want to address quickly about refugees, which is ironic, is, you know, the vast majority, and this was especially under um, Barack Obama, uh, the vast majority of refugees that were taken into the America were not just Muslim, but they were Sunni Muslim. Now, what's ironic to me is, you know, ISIS, who created uh, or is, you know, credited with creating the um, refugee crisis by what they were doing in the Middle East, is a Sunni organization. Okay, you can call it radical or not, which means by definition, they do not target or attack fellow Sunnis. Okay, in fact, they espouse a similar worldview. And that's we can get into that whole classical you know, worldview of Sunni Islam, but which is militant and jihadist by nature. But uh, it's, you know, under Obama and so forth, you had like 99.5% of those who were taken in were actually Sunni Muslims. So who were they 
you know, who are they exactly running away from? Because ISIS wasn't attacking them. ISIS was attacking Christians, Yazidis, Shias, and those groups, and you didn't see them. So that's just, you know, a quick aside to give you the nature of this, you know, the refugee crisis and what has happened. Same thing with Europe, uh, where they've gotten millions of uh, refugees, the vast majority of them, Sunni Muslims, males of a young age, you know, they're not poor, impoverished women and children or elderly people. The vast majority of them are militant males who come in. Um, and you see what's happening uh, in all these nations in Germany, in the UK, Scandinavia. We mentioned Sweden and so forth. Uh, it's Here in the, in the United States, you know, to your question, it's a, still a small population, Muslims in general, uh, including migrants. Uh, but again, if you look to precedent, what's happening in Europe, because oftentimes when it comes to the question of Islam, Europe is, uh, you know, something of a, uh, you know, it's what we can see for our future. Um, and it's not going well. Basically, anywhere you have large Muslim populations, you see the sorts of things that happen to non-Muslims under Islam. So I, I focus a lot on Christian persecution. You know, the destruction of churches. Awesome. Hold and, that thought. That sort of we are thing. coming up against yeah. a hard break. We'll be right back. You're watching Firepower. Welcome back to Firepower. I am Tom Papper, co-hosting with Will Johnson. Our guest is Raymond Ibrahim. And Raymond, I want to turn the conversation to your book, which is absolutely fascinating to me. It's called Sword and Scimitar. It's available on Amazon, and I'm sure you can get it everywhere. Good books are sold. But what I love about it is you're breaking down the West's relationship with Islam, how Islam has taken over massive chunks of what was once considered to be the heart of the Christian world, how that is all almost always been the West on retreat or in a defensive war against Islam. And this is all stuff that if you ask the average uh, liberal college student or even apparently a military school college student, they don't seem to understand this anymore. So I, I just to start, I, can you kind of debunk the myth that, you know, the Christians had this horrible dark ages and if it was not for Islam, we would all be uh, doing adding on a on a on an ancient. We would be using stones to add and we wouldn't have English and we would be you know, we would be nowhere without the Muslims. Can you just kind of tell us why this is a fallacy? <clears throat> Absolutely, Tom. Um, <clears throat> the long and short of it is that for someone like me, who's, you know, very much steeped in the historical texts between Islam and the West, my master's degree that I wrote, maybe, you know, Victor Davis Hanson, he was my um, chair of my thesis. And it was about the first military conflict between Islam and the West about 20 years ago. So I've been really following this mostly in the original languages. And, and so basically these are books and texts that very few people know of. And, you know, in short, the story that they tell is the antithesis of the story that we're told. The story that we're told, it's basically Islam spread. You know, maybe sometimes it was a little stern or austere, the word they like to use. Um, but of course, Christians and medieval Europeans were the, the epitome of backwardness, fanaticism and so forth. And then, you know, the problem started with the Crusades out of nowhere. You know, these crazy Christians and evil Pope decided to go and create problems. And historians actually say this. People like John Esposito in his book, he literally says four centuries of peace, you know, transpired between Islam and the Christian world until, you know, the popes sensed and created, you know, a legacy of mistrust and animosity and grievances. Okay. The reality, like I said, is the exact opposite. If you went in the seventh century, <clears throat> The 7th century when Islam came into being, okay, and you look, first of all, there was no, no concept of the West. What you had 
because back then civilizations, like many of them today, were defined by the religion, Hinduism, the Islamic world. So you had Christendom, you had the Christian world. And in that time, in the 7th century, <clears throat> in the Islamic world's jihads literally conquered permanently three quarters of what was the original Christian world. It was They conquered actually the richer, more civilized, you know, an older region, which is North Africa, okay, from Morocco to Egypt, and the Middle East, Syria, Iraq, Turkey, and so forth with the Ottoman Turks. Um, and they Arabized them. And so now today, for instance, when I talk about Christian persecution in North Africa or Middle East or of Egypt, my ancestors, you know, the Copts, first question I get is, you know, we feel bad for those Christians, but why are they living there in those Muslim lands? I and mean, it just shows you the extreme ignorance. So that sort of thing goes on nonstop until, and, and the book, you know, I talk about battles and the history until certain key battles stopped the advance of Islam. But even after that, for a thousand years, Islam kept bombarding Europe. It reached as far as Iceland. How many people know that? And brought slaves as jihadists, as they define themselves. America's first war as a nation after the Revolutionary War was against Muslims. Um, the Barbary Wars. And when Thomas Jefferson met with the ambassador and asked him, why are you attacking our people and slaving them? The ambassador, just like an ISIS representative, said, because our holy books, the Quran, our prophet says this, you're infidels. It's our right to conquer, kill, enslave, etc. So this sort of thing goes on nonstop. Today, you know, the word the West, which we all use, we don't understand the origin of it. As I was saying, you know, the originally <clears throat> the Christian world was much bigger. <clears throat> the West was really the westernmost portion of Christianity, of Christendom, that never got conquered or did uh, temporarily, such as in Spain or portions of Russia, Balkans, and so forth. That's why it's called the West. It was the westernmost region of that large block that was permanently conquered. And when you look through the pages in the book, for instance, and I made it a point to really document it, so it's got well over a 1,000 footnotes from primary sources, most of them, because I don't want people to say these are my words. I really quote, you know, mostly Muslims, but also contemporary Europeans and so forth. But if you look at it, it is just one long, you know, 14th century jihad that makes ISIS, who we're told has nothing to do with Islam, look like Boy Scouts. So everything that ISIS has done, imagine that on an exponential level going on century after century after century. Okay, how many people know that literally 15 million Europeans were enslaved uh, by the Ottomans and by the Barbary pirates and by the Crimean Tatars, all of who were Muslims, all of who articulated what they were doing in Islamic terms. Not many people know this. So this is the problem we have, and this is why we wanted to bring the book out. A lot of people make the argument against Islam um, through doctrinal arguments. Okay, so they say the Quran says this, Muhammad says this, etc. I do that too, and I think it's valid, but I think it doesn't resonate with a lot of American minds, which have become very relativistic and postmodern. So what I wanted to do with this book is say, okay, let's put abstract doctrines aside. Let's see what Islam has done to and in the West historically. And like I said, the answer is ISIS on a much larger scale, nonstop, with you know horrific things that people cannot even begin to imagine. I, I still get historians write to me and say, we studied this period and we're learning from this book because we were never taught this. And the reason people aren't taught this is because they don't read primary sources. And if you read the secondary sources, they've been so whitewashed and watered down and the Islamic jihad element has been completely expunged. Um, and, and this is, you know, this has created so much mischief. This is why after 9-11, people were saying, what went wrong? Why do they hate us? Well, if you understood history, nothing went wrong and they've hated you from the start. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So <clears throat> with uh with Ilhan Omar being a politician and Rashida Tlaib 
What do you see Christianity in the next, let's say, 20, 30 years if they continue to bring more uh, their ideas into uh, the political realm and then finish off by telling everyone how they can get your book again and how they can connect with you? Well, you know, Christianity in America is under assault, authentic, true Christianity, from a myriad of sources, one of which is Islam and Ilhan Omar and these sorts of people. But you have to remember, and this is another key point, which actually, again, it comes out in the book, that, you know, Islam's jihad on the West, on Europe, and on other places, I focus in the book on the West, but, you know, it was everyone who was non-Muslim, um, historically was manifested through arms, through violence, because you were not going to go and tell people how to live. You weren't going to shame them and tell them they're racists or they're not multicultural stuff or anything in the pre-modern era. So you have to go and actually fight them. But today, uh, you know, these groups are doing what I call the soft jihad, and, um, you know, they're getting away with it. You know, so, for example, you know, someone like Pope Francis, who you would think, you know, historically, whatever you think of Catholics, the Catholic Pope actually was this, the one who spearheaded the, the defense of the Christian world against Islam. Historically, now today you have this pope who, you know, is as relativistic as can be, who is always apologizing for Islam, who always tries to, you know, side sideline the Islamic jihad element um, and also and, and basically wants Christians to be doormats. And I think that's one of right. the most uh, mainstream idea today. I call it doormat Christianity. You know, it's which been is basically easy. a surrender. Quickly, tell us where we can find your book and where we can connect with you online. Sure. Uh, well, my book, um, like you said, you can get it on Amazon. It's probably the most, you know, least expensive there. But I've seen it also in other bookstores, Barnes and Noble, you know, Target, and so forth. Um, as far as connecting with me, my best place is my website, RaymondIbrahim.com, or also my social media. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter, and basically anything I put on my website goes up there. Fantastic. Thanks for coming on. Come back soon. You're watching Firepower. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Yes, Jeff Epstein did not kill himself. There's a contest that's going on with five big ones, but we have another guest that's coming on with us. I think this is the first time since we've been doing these broadcasts that we've had so many guests come on in a single evening. And um, I think everything that's happening with everything that's going on, I think it's just appropriate that we have these guests come on and talk about these different things. The next person this gentleman, I've known him for a while now, Jeff Robertson. He's actually a fireman. He has uh, many names, many positions under his hat, but uh, he's a conservative and he's known to align with the uh, fundamentals of Christianity. And we're going to talk about how the Christian conservative movement is being infiltrated today in America. And some people are not even recognizing and some people don't even know. So we're going to bring Jeff on. I, and with myself and Tom Peppert. Are you there, Jeff? I'm here. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for joining us. So before we get into this deep, deep discussion about the conservative Christian movement being infiltrated, I want to share a video with you and for our viewers and listeners so they can get a kind of a uh, an idea of what we're talking about here because a lot of people are not aware. Okay, so let's go with that clip. 
political control. It's a form of political control. And you have multiple times uh, advocated on behalf of uh, accepting homosexuality, accepting uh, homosexual acts as normative in the conservative movement. How does sex help us win the culture war? I'm going to let the I mean, gay no, man no, no. answer Wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't that a good question? So can I, can I ask you a question? Can you have the balls to ask the gay man on the stage that question and don't sure. defer to him? It's, so ask, so, so, so yeah. ask me that question. I want to answer you that question. How so does, I'm gonna, no, 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 I'm going to ask you, you already asked the question, so I'm going to answer that question. I'm going to ask you that question. This is America. This is the greatest freaking nation in the world. We realize that America is great because we have Western values. We realize that, no, no, let me finish, dude. We realize that gays and lesbians are able to contribute to American society in the same way that everybody else is. And let me tell you, and let me tell you, when you continue doing that, okay, you realize that we are here. We are able to do everything. And let me tell you something as well. I served in the military, right? I served five years. And I didn't rock turn. What's up? How does homosexual sex help us win the culture war? Who said Thank homosexual you. sex helps you win the that culture war? That's the question that I'm asking. Why are you promoting it? Well, it's a, it's a BS Thank question. Thank you. And you know it is. It's not, it's, it's a question that is not a very it's not, good it's not question. a good question. So, honestly, it's it is. Dude, I'm going to be honest. Fake question. Rob, like, honestly, I don't care what two consenting adults do. So that's that's the whole thing. And and your 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 hyper focus on it is kinda weird. Thanks for I mean being you here. seem to be you seem to be really interested in gay sex. I'm pretty okay, sure. Okay, you can cut it there. You can cut it there. I mean they're deviating from the uh, question. I mean the question was to Charlie Kirk is yes. asking why is he introducing homosexual into the conservative movement because for the for the most part, the the Democrats they reject God. The, the conservatives, for the most part, they accept God. They bring God into it. We, we, people vote based on our values. So what did you think about when it was addressing the question to him, but the gay guy on the stage had to jump in? What are your views on that? Uh, yeah, that, this is definitely a, diff a difficult subject. <clears throat> uh, I, I had to evolve in my views a little bit until I watched your, uh, a video on that. Uh, because initially I was thinking, okay, the conservative movement has uh, lots of people in the conservative movement, and I know that there are some gay people who are coming into it and because you know, all gay people aren't in favor of abortion and all gay people are not in favor of socialism and those kind of things that the that the Democratic Party are infatuated with. So some of them are coming over until uh, the conservative movement. As a matter of fact, there is a, a popular uh, TV personality. She used to have her own talk show as well. And she's on Fox News a lot. She used to be in the Democratic Party, and she is a, a, a gay woman. She's told her story before, and now she is a, a conservative. She's come out of the Democrats after, you know, seeing their shenanigans, and so she's conservative. But but you don't see her every day talking about me as a gay woman, me as a gay woman. So I was a little conflicted for a little bit because as a Christian, I'll put it this way, as a Christian, we know that the gay agenda is out there trying to force itself, even in the Christendom. Uh, you know, they have gay pastors, they have gay affirming churches. I'm absolutely opposed to that. The scriptures doesn't talk about a gay church or gay pastor or gay affirmation. It, it, it condemns homosexuality. But then on the other side, when you have, uh, the, so the conservative movement, and when there are some gay people who wanted to come into the conservative movement, again, like I said, I'm, I'm okay with that because it's like, well, 
all gay people are interested in the democratic communist movement. Uh, but when it, when it comes to what you were talking about that sort of opened my eyes, what Charlie Kirk was doing, I, I only basically knew about Charlie Kirk, uh, because of Candace Owens. She used to be joined with him and, uh, and I'm a big, uh, Candace Owens fan. So that's how I really came to find out about Charlie Kirk. But now that I see that he's bringing in this, this homosexual agenda, and he's bringing in a transgender agenda. So it's the same thing that is trying to enforce itself into the church. And I'm certainly not in agreement. Uh, I, I, Charlie Kirk is a conservative Christian. And if his movement is for conservative Christians, then I don't believe there's, there's room for the homosexual and the transgender movement. They can, they can join themselves to a, uh, a another secular movement in the conservative movement because all, all conservatives are not Christians. Uh, but if Charlie Kirk says that he is a Christian conservative, then he doesn't need to give voice to the to the gay agenda, which I see that is happening. I really appreciate what you had to say there, Jeff, and thank you again for coming on the show. It sounds like what is the real concern here is that the conservative movement, or at least Charlie Kirk's sect of it, is becoming so embroiled in identity politics that they're losing the plot. Yeah. I mean, we've had uh, Lady Maga, who is a uh, apparently a pro-Trump drag queen, uh, share a stage with Charlie Kirk. We've had this Rob fellow who, not that long ago, was on CNN lambasting Trump for refusing to allow transgendered people in the military and now he's sharing a stage with Charlie Kirk talking about uh, how man-on-man uh, uh, -man sex is good for conservatism or something like that. So would you say that it's really about conservatives falling victim to this whole identitarian okay, we got the gays, we got the this, we got the that mindset? Yes. I think that in their effort to, to, to make this movement grow and to make sure Trump gets back in office because I was reading an article also where we were talking about two recent polls, uh, the Emerson poll and the Rasmussen poll, both saying that the, uh, you know, in, in 2016, Trump received 8% of the, of the black vote. And now, uh, there are 34 and 34.5% of uh, African Americans who are in favor of Trump. And if, if the Republicans just get, uh, half of that, uh, you know, the Democrats don't stand a chance. So I think that what's happening is they're trying to enlarge they, uh, this, these movements. Charlie Kirk is thinking he's trying to enlarge the conservative tent by bringing in more blacks, more Latinos. And then, unfortunately, now they're also drawing in the transgender and the and the uh, um, the, the gay movement. And I don't think that there's room for that. As I said, it, it, uh, all gay people don't believe in abortion. They don't want the socialists. So they can I think they can join other movements. There are other conservative moves out there that aren't primarily Christian conservative. And I agree with you guys assessment. Charlie Kirk claims to be a Christian conservative. So I don't think that there's there's room for, for the gays and transgenders to come in in that in that movement. I'm not uh, trying to tell them how they should vote. But as we call ourselves Christians and, and when I say Christian, I don't mean Christian in a sense and just because we're Americans. I mean, Christian in the sense that we believe in the incarnation. We believe in the, the, the life, the birth, the death the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and being disciples and followers of him. I'm talking about that. If you're a Christian exactly. and, and, and you're conservative, then there's no room for uh, the exactly. gay agenda. And, so, and so, one of the things... So, Jeff, so when we come back from a break, I want to play another video for you uh, with Charlie Kirk on stage and where he does says that he's a Christian and even the other guy says that he's a gay Christian. So yeah. we're going to play that video as soon as we come back from the break. We'll get right into that and then we'll go back to Mr. Jeff Robinson right after this.
My question is largely directed to Mr. Kirk because you were raised as a conservative. Part of the issue I see here is, um, what's your name, Rob? Yeah. So you're saying, oh, this, you're behind the times, this isn't conservative. Well, we don't want centrists in the conservative movement. We want to retain our core values. Yeah, but here's we the thing. We don't want drag But here's the thing, but here's the thing. It's not about what you want because here's the thing. The beauty, the beauty about social media, the beauty about social media is that I can be me and I can bring myself to the table. And it's not about what you want, it's about the, what the people want. And if there are enough people in this movement that are say, that say, hey, Rob is cool, he's gay, whatever, it really doesn't matter what you think you can say whatever you want and you can believe so, you can believe whatever you want to believe let me ask my question but it's not going to stop me from yeah. doing what i'm doing get, get and it's it. not going to deplatform me so so my question is again it's directed to mr kirk because he was raised as a conservative um you know as the guy before has said you know you've advocated for homosexuality said that there's a place for the gay agenda within the conservative movement my question is, uh, and you're also comfortable with transgenders and cross-dressers, I understand. Um, so my question is, is there, is there any, pl any point um, where conservatives should take a moral stance on Christian morality, or should we abandon it altogether? So in other words, what is TPUSA's, what is your brand of conservatism doing to actually conserve Christian morality? If we're ceding to the left on transgender, gay rights, gay marriage, we don't want that in conservatism. So you don't want him in the conservative movement? I just That's want to be very clear. Let's just be so, so you don't so you don't want me in the movement. No. Not if it waters down. Hold on a sec. No, we don't. I want to be nice. very clear. Hold on a sec. I, I, you know, you're, you're bringing some very charged language. I'm going to try to calm down the temperature in the room, yeah. so I can try to rationally understand an irrational position. Why should we? Why should we? Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. So, I'm a Christian. I believe the Bible is the greatest book ever to exist in the history of the world, and I believe Rob Smith has decency and dignity as an individual in the United States of America. Of this country? Hold on a second. We're not a theocracy. We yes. never have been. I you know what? And wait a minute. And wait a minute. Let me hop in here. Hold on. Because I, I'm in it. Really He's addressing me. Answers. The thing that the thing that I don't understand, well, I'm addressing you. How about that? I don't even have the so courage to address the gay man on, on so, 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 so the, the problem that I have with, um, as somebody that is a gay Christian, and this is the problem that I have, no because my relationship with God and coming back into the church over the past year and a half is one of the greatest gifts that has been given to me in terms of being in this movement. So, so, so my question, and my question to everybody who tries to say that, oh, you shouldn't be, you know, Christian because you're gay. Why are you trying to turn people away from God? So if you love God <laughs> totally and Christianity is so right, because I do love God, turn you away so why would you be trying to turn me away? Why would you be trying to turn me away from God? God said. So we're, we're going to get another thing, and, and one thing that I don't do. Question. And one thing that I don't do is that there is no man that is of this earth that is going to tell me what God has for me and how much God. Okay, so the, it's not about him turning away from God. If he really wants to go to God, he's going to repent. And he's going to repent and stop his sinful acts. It's not about them coming into the conservative movement and rejecting him. If you come into the conservative movement, you can be an atheist. 
You can, I mean, if you want to go into the conservative movement, you can, you can be Muslim. You can be all these different things. You can live a sinful lifestyle going into a conservative movement. The problem here is that they're introducing this sinful lifestyle, the homosexual acts that he's committing as this is something that should be, uh, embraced by the conservatism that's in this country. That's, that we reject. Sinful acts, we reject it because all of us, we are all sinners. And everyone that's in the conservative movement, we're all sinners. But you don't see me or people in the conservative movement going out saying, hey, we need to have a parade about my sin. We need to, you need to embrace my sin. We don't need to get medical benefits because of my sins. This is, is, see, they're twisting what the actual question is. They're removing the morals that consists in the conservative movement in this nation to fit their narrative. And Charlie Kirk is being a vessel for it. Yes. Uh, and notice what they did is uh, when the young man was addressing them and he was talking about, we don't want the, the homosexual agenda. We don't want the transgender agenda in the conservative movement. We want to maintain our conservatism. But what they did is they took that and they made it about a person. But it's not about a person. It's not about uh, Rob Smith or whatever his name is. But then also his reply was very telling. It shows that he wants to hold on to his homosexuality because he's saying, why are you trying to drive me away from God? Rather than saying, why are you trying to drive me away from my homosexuality? Christianity is clear. Jesus Christ plainly says, whoever comes to me, I will no wise cast out. But then he also says, whoever comes after me, though, must deny himself, take up the cross and follow Jesus. And so this young man, he's talking about why. Why are you trying to turn me away from God? He's telling us that he'd rather move away from God than to give up his homosexuality. Yes. And so that's very telling also. And so why should uh, Charlie Kirk uh, be bringing something like that uh, into the conservative movement when it's, it shows clearly, again, that they have an agenda. They want to bring it in. The Democratic Party obviously has fully embraced that lifestyle. They, it's in their uh, platform. They fully embrace it. They're in full favor of gay marriage. And they're, and they're trying to force the transgender movement on us by allowing transgenders to read uh, to children in, in libraries, you know, the three and four, five year olds. Uh, but what happens is they're trying to get the conservative movement to comply with that and come under that umbrella. And I think that that's what they're trying to do to, to bring that in, to infiltrate. And uh, yes, you guys are doing what's right. Christians ought to stand just as strong about not allowing gays to come into the, to the church to pollute that, you know, that environment and, 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 and cause Christians to accept it. But neither should the conservative movement, the Christian conservative movement, allow it to come into their ranks either. And, and it's not about uh, rejecting Rob Smith. It's about rejecting an ideology. And that's what they do. They always want to make it about ad hominem, you know, attack the man. No, we're saying we disagree with the homosexual promotion. Uh, because God said that marriage is between one man and one woman. That's it. That's the Christian conservative stance. That's what we believe. And we shouldn't move from it. And it looks like that's what this movement is trying to do is to get us to turn away from that belief. 
Exactly. Jeff, you, you made a really good point there saying that it seems like this Rob character uh, apparently would rather turn away from God than turn away from his sin. I think that is the crux yeah. of his entire persona. I looked this guy up on social media a little while ago, and he has about 10,000 followers on Facebook, from my understanding. So, and part of his point, of course, was, well, because of social media, if people want me to be a gay black conservative, then I can be a gay black conservative and you can't do anything about it. He also claimed that he wouldn't be deplatformed. Well, he recently, uh, without any explanation, had he was going to host a solo TPUSA event, and it was completely uh, deplatformed, as it would turn out. It was canceled, same day it was supposed to go. So I'm curious, do you think that mainstream conservatives, or maybe the new right, the people who are watching this broadcast, who follow you, who follow me, who follow Will, do you think that folks are really willing to accept this type of uh, switch up all of a sudden? I think that uh, when you said mainstream, do, do you mean uh, Christian or just just mean conservative in general? Because I think many times I say Christian as conservatives, as Christian, uh, yeah, I think that, mm. that that people who are really committed to Christ they, they don't they don't agree with this. They don't want to go with it. But unfortunately, I do believe that many times just the mainstream conservative movement, like you know your Republicans, your conservatives, unfortunately they have a problem with compromise and they just roll over because they want to just be nice. Uh, you know, they want to mm. get along. They don't want to. They don't want to make it seem like we don't want to make waves. Or we don't want to seem like we're attacking people or coming against people. But it's not about attacking people. Again, it's, it's standing uh, against an ideology. Uh, the, you know, the homosexual is a victim of a, of a, a wrong, uh, sinful, faulty ideology. And unfortunately, many times they think that if, uh, uh, I, how can I say this? They're convinced that their homosexuality, homosexuality is not a sin. So therefore, they in general are good people. They don't have anything else to repent of. You know, yeah, they're, you know they're what? Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's absolutely no. You know, so, you're absolutely right. That yeah. they they believe that they're in the they're in the right. They're in the good, and God wants them to be that way. God wants mm-hmm. them to live that sinful act, where it's clear as day in the Bible what it says about living that sinful lifestyle. Hey, Maybe Jeff, thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, Jeff, I want to thank you for coming on with us. Um, I love your insight. And you know what? This this is an infiltration. Look at Buttigieg. Buttigieg is rising in the ranks in the Democrat Party, which I expect that. But for them to do that here in the conservative movement, I, I mean, we got to fight against it because we, we need to hold on to something that has morals and values in this country. So, again, I want to thank you for coming on with us. Yeah. I want to thank you thank so you. much for coming on and giving your insight. Jeff Robinson, everybody. He's a fireman and a very good patron and good friend. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks. Good night. Take care. All right, everyone. This is another one. We will be we will be here tomorrow. God's willing. God bless you. God bless our president and God bless America. Good night.